The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back uh, to uh, the Tom Sumner Program for part two of this week's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our roundtable regulars, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki, on the left. Welcome back, Paul. Always good to be here. And uh, on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back to you as well. Oh, thank you, Tom. And joining us uh, at the roundtable for this week's uh, edition of um, Armchair Politics, we have East Village Magazine Consulting Editor Jan Worth Nelson. Jan, always a treat to have you. Thank you. It's good to be here with you. And a uh, a bonus member at the roundtable calling in from Oakland County is uh, my favorite Oakland County activist, Pam Gerard, uh, a.k.a. PG. Hi, Tom, and thank you so much, and it is always a pleasure. You know me and the Silver Fox love you. <laughs> well, thank um, you both. Uh, before you go on, can I just make a lasting comment? I don't want the roundtable or a guest or the listeners to think that I'm pleading the fifth here by being <laughs> silent on some of the <laughs> subjects. But I have... Uh, we'll never, we'll never, we'll never convict you, Henry. Don't worry. <laughs> the, the, I am waiting for the comments and for the larger bodies to go through the shift through this information to find out what the truth is. And you just you can't always be political. You have to... Be silent once in a while, and you have to wait until things happen. That's looking for justice. Tom, you know, Mr. Hatter made my day. Um, I don't know if you remember when Burge Bonero ran for governor. Oh, and yeah. He selected sure. the Southfield mayor, uh, Brenda Lawrence, as his lieutenant governor candidate. That particular year, I organized the largest candidates forum in the state of Michigan for the Concerned Pastors for Social Action. And I was really amazed that the, um, the, the, both of the candidates' forms were really good turnout. So we decided to do it for the primary, and I got all these donations from the community to have food. And when the candidates walked in, they had their checkbooks ready, like, well, how much does it cost to participate? It costs nothing. Oh, but you have food here, so how much does it cost for the ticket to get in? It's nothing. They could not believe that the Flint community came together so well enough to give those donations for us to be able to, to serve food. And, Mr. Hatter, the Republican Party at that time was trying to recruit me and have been trying to recruit me ever <laughs> since 2006. 
as well as the Libertarian Party, which I knew nothing about, and the Independent Party. Well, that means that you're valuable to the people, to the Constitution, to the United States, our communities, and families. And well, I hey, Henry, maybe, maybe, we, maybe we can get the Democrats to recruit you. Maybe we should go the other direction. <laughs> you guys, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you guys, yeah. you guys can't have her. She's already committed to the Tom Sumner program. <laughs> um, but let's let's move on. Governor Gretchen Whitmer vetoed the latest GOP-led measure that would reduce the state's income tax rate while creating new tax breaks for seniors, families, and others. The move was not expected as the measure was largely similar. It was not unexpected, forgive me, as the uh, measure was largely similar to a proposal already vetoed by the governor earlier this year. When she vetoed a uh, comparable proposal in March, Whitmer argued the ideas were short-sighted and could hamstring crucial state programs in the future. But this time, Whitmer said the legislative tactic the Republican majority in the state house used to fast-track the bill through both chambers may render it unconstitutional. Is the GOP leadership moving Governor Whitmer to the wrong side of tax cuts ahead of the upcoming election? I would think that's the motive, but I think she's probably wise because if you want to fix the damn yeah. roads, you need some money, <laughs> among other right. things. You know, so I, I think policy-wise, she's right. But I see, I see, I see the political motive that they're going to blame her on raising taxes or keeping taxes high. Well, they're already advertising about how much the roads have not been fixed. Um, right. Republicans are already putting ads out about that. How many roads can she get fixed between now and November? Yeah. Yeah. And she's got the bridges mm -hmm. as well, bridges, roads, and, and secondary And how roads. do you do that without money? So yeah. how do you do that without money? So well, and they haven't even finished uh, building the new bridge, and it's already broken. Did you see that? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, what new, what new bridge? Um, oh, what's what's the other bridge they're building? The, uh, oh, for, the, for, the, to, the to Canada? Player? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yes. The foundation for that bridge created a big sinkhole. Oh. Ooh, the, the Gordy, isn't it going to be the Gordy Howe Bridge or something? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> yes, yes. it's going to end up in it's yeah gonna, yeah it's going to okay. end up being the Gordy Howe not the bridge. <laughs> I don't want to sound like the Wednesday Roundtable Debbie Downer, but Gretchen <laughs> Whitmer, she stuck her foot in her mouth. She said that she was going to fix the damn roads. Well, My husband and I went to every single candidate's forum, with the exception of one at the uh, King High School in Detroit. And she said, I'm going to fix the road. I already have plans for where the funding is going to come from. If you remember, Bill Cobbs that ran for governor, he said something that was most profound. He said, I can tell you all day long that I'm going to fix the roads, but the question I will ask all of you potential voters, where will we get the money from? So Gretchen broke, in my mind, that campaign promise. Another campaign promise that she broke when she was in the black community trying to pander for the black vote. She said, if I'm elected, I'm going to establish an anti-poverty cabinet-level position in my administration to deal with the uh, abject poverty that's in the black and brown community. Well, she's been there four years, 
she has not done either of those things. Now, uh, I, please let me say this before I... Notice how PG is profoundly well-balanced in her view of political activities and public policies. She doesn't just pick on the Republicans. Well, and she's she right. She picks on the Democrats and, as well. And, she's and, and right. most people don't do that. And this is what I've uh, been trying to do for a long time, is that uh, this, this, we've got to work together to solve these problems. It can't just be one side or the other. We've got to try to pinpoint what the truth is and what the action strategy ought to be. Well, Thank and, you, she's, and she's right about uh, Governor Whitmer setting herself up by taking such a strong stand about fixing the roads. And she did the same thing in her State of the State message earlier this year when she made the whole thing about cutting taxes. Yeah. Now, Tom, yeah. here's another issue, and I don't know if um, if you and the roundtable members would, are familiar with it. In the city of Detroit, now, true, it, it, it started before she became governor. But here's the thing that Detroiters are dealing with. Detroiters have been overassessed on their taxes to the tune of $600 million. I didn't say 600000 I said $600 million, with an M, dollars, and that's a low figure. That figure is purported to, to go as high as $795 million. These people were charged taxes that they didn't even owe. So you had seniors, black, white, and Latino. You had people losing houses that had been in their families for four and five and six and seven generations, uh, seven generations for taxes that they didn't even owe. Now, she knows about this. And you're coming up with all of these tax breaks for these companies. What about giving these people a house for nothing because they lost their house for money they did not owe? She has said nothing about that. Or at the very least, give them their money back. Right. Correct. Well, but what about one. the house? <clears throat> what about the house? Here's where the land bank could come in. And here's well, what she true. could do with, with Duggan. The land bank owns a lot of houses. They acquired these houses during the $600 million overtaxation and the uh, auctions that they hey, had. Some kind of way they got hey, these PG, houses. Give a person a house. Speaking of uh, the land bank in Detroit, what happened to Craig Folly? Why did he, uh, why did he go back to broadcasting and, and leave the land bank? Time, I don't know, but I can tell you, every job that Duggan has ever had, it's been an investigation. <laughs> and there's an investigation right now. The big investigation is the towing issue. You park your car here, it doesn't tell you no parking. You come back out, the tow truck is there, they don't want a credit card, give me cash. Oh. Well, speaking, speaking of investigations, <laughs> something is going on, and a lot of council people are getting raided by the FBI, Detroit council people. They're getting indicted. It's, it's something. Last month's 
petition signature fraud scandal was already a massive jolt to Michigan's gubernatorial race when it threw five of ten Republican candidates off the ballot. Then on Thursday came the FBI with something completely <laughs> different. Federal agents arrested yeah. GOP gubernatorial candidate Ryan Kelly at his Allendale home on four charges related to his attendance at the U.S. Capitol riot in 2021. Although misdemeanors, each of Kelly's alleged crimes carry up to a year in prison and a $100,000 fine if he is convicted. Hours later, on Thursday night, one of the candidates for governor kicked off the ballot. Once frontrunner and former Detroit Police Chief James Craig announced he is mounting a write-in campaign for the August 2nd primary. Is Kelly's arrest a negative in his primary bid for the GOP nomination for governor. It's not a positive. But well, he, yeah. he, he's, he's, he's bragging about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a positive. He's saying he's got na- name recognition now he didn't have when he started the race. <laughs> See, it's like, it doesn't matter what you say about me, just spell my name right. Right. Yeah. And what about Chief Craig's chances for a write-in campaign? Uh, the write-in campaigns don't yield much. It's, uh, it's awfully tough, yeah. although it has been done, though. I mean, it's, but, but it's, yeah. it's going to be a stretch. I think you have one girl that won, that won a write-in campaign in Southfield, and she ran for the school board. She had never ran for any office. She did a write-in campaign, did not, uh, can't, you know, she did not do any campaigning locally, and she got the highest number of votes. Well, and now well. she's county commissioner for Oakland County. Mayor, Mayor Duggan cleaned up his primary right. problems yeah, with a write-in off. campaign. Yeah, now, but here's the question, uh, and I think uh, uh, Mr. Hatter is going in that direction. Uh, he did a write-in campaign. He didn't even live in Detroit. He was living in Livonia. They call him Livonia Mike. How did he win that uh, write-in campaign when they're not usually successful? Is that where you're going, Mr. Hatter? Well, I, I I wasn't quite sure about how he did it, but I know it was a writing campaign. But uh, the infrastructure that supported that, I, I'm not fully aware of. I can't comment on that. Hmm. Well, maybe. But you may have something that I'd like to hear if you would like to elucidate. Well, there's always the talk about the issue and the Detroit city clerk, who's now a candidate for the 13th Congressional District. I don't know. I can't prove anything. I don't know anything for certain. But I do know that the Detroit voters are talking about it, and they don't trust the manner in which he got elected as a write-in. Because unless you, and Tom, you, or Jan, or Paul can correct me if I'm wrong, when you do a write-in campaign, you have to spell the person's name correct. Correctly. So if you say Duggan and you spell it D-I-G-G-A-N, he should not get that vote. Mm. If you spell it D-U-G-G-E-N and and there's no E in his name, he shouldn't get that vote. And that's what the Detroiters were talking about. How did he win by such large numbers when people don't even know how to spell his last name? Well, and with another candidate on the ballot with the same name. Hmm. That's Which right. is a little bit weird, too. Anyway, yeah. i got to take another break here and let our uh, broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. Um, 
If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. And then we will return with more armchair politics on the Tom Sumner program. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. 
But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we continue with Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. And uh, we have our, uh, <coughs> excuse me, our regular uh, roundtable, well, our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by East Village uh, Magazine Consulting Editor Jane Worth Nelson. And uh, this week we have, uh, as it turns out, a fourth leg to our roundtable. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us from uh, Oakland County is uh, Pam, a.k.a. PG, and uh, welcome back, all of you. Um, Thank as, you, Tom. As we, uh, as we continue on, and I'm, we, we've gotten uh, a little long on some of the subjects, so I'm, I'm skipping around here on my notes. Um, yeah, let's, let's, let's go to this one, although it may, uh, may take up quite a bit of time. Um, Democrats once accused uh, former Attorney General William Barr of lying to Congress and covering up Donald Trump's corruption. They said he was more interested in serving as the ex-president's attorney than the nation's independent top law officer separated from the White House by an invisible wall. But it is a mark of the extreme choices Trump forces upon those who served him that the ultra-conservative career lawyer now finds himself on the same side as his liberal one-time accusers in defending America's democracy with his salty dismissals of the former president's election fraud lies as BS, crazy, amateurish, and total nonsense, Barr has turned into Trump's nemesis with his taped testimony to the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the uh, U.S. Capitol. His gruff bluntness is not just dismembering the ex-president's fantastical claims that he won the 2020 election, it's also hacking away at the entire false premise of Trump's 2024 campaign that he was cheated out of power and deserves to get his job back. Any surprises in Barr's testimony or other revelations from the hearings so far? Hmm. Well, I mean, again, I'm quite cynical about this. It's like, where the hell was he when the with the Mueller report? You know, True. where was he up until where was he up until December of 2020? I mean, for God's sake, you know, if if he really thought that he was a total enabler. Trump's lies, and mm -hmm. and, it, and it looks even worse than ever because it's so clear that everybody around Trump knew that this was all uh, this is all lies. It was nonsense. So I mean, I think Barr is trying to rehabilitate his own uh, reputation after all those years of sucking, you know, after all that time of sucking up to to Trump. But uh, I mean, I'm glad that he's finally saying it, but. You better um, believe it's a book it? coming. This is our patriotism now. This is our form of patriotism. Is that you tell the truth when you got a freaking book coming out? It looks yeah. that way. 
Yeah. That is always what, the truth. What has struck me is, is that for the great bulk of books that have come out, nearly all of them were ultra-critical of Trump. I mean, compared to any other presidential administration, you've ne- I've never seen so many you know, supporters of, of a president after they left the office write books saying the guy was crazy or the guy was off the wall and so forth and so on. I mean, it's just... It's, well, it's like it's the book John unanimous. Meacham wrote about uh, George H.W. Bush, Destiny mm-hmm. and Power. That book yeah. reads like a eulogy. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And, and then most of yeah. them tend to go that direction. I mean, there are there's exceptions, yeah. but, but most of them tend to go that direction. Do you remember hey, early on in Trump's uh, administration when Rex Tillerson called him an oxymoron? <laughs> Do you believe oh, yes, yes. that he's an oxymoron? <laughs> and where is Rex? I want to hear from Rex Tillerson. Was yeah, he right? Yeah, yeah that is, that is an interesting. That is an interesting thing. And you know, um, who else? Uh, oh, who was the guy that ended up uh, at HUD? Um, ben Carson. Ben, ben Carson, Carson. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Ben Carson said something soon after he dropped out of the presidential race. In fact, I think it might have been. Uh, um, I, I'm not sure if it was before or after he got appointed to HUD, but he said that the Trump he faced on the debate stage was different than the one he met in person. A brilliant surgeon, but colossally incompetent. Well, <laughs> a lot of people think so, but I thought that yeah, was an yeah. interesting observation yeah, from his experience. So what, and so I what, talked to somebody who was at the, um, at the uh, health department, or CDC, no, I think it was the health department, um, during Trump's presidency, and he ended up being the point man on uh, Operation Warp Speed. Oh. For the, uh, uh. And he said that the meetings that he had with Trump in the Oval Office were substantive, helpful and he found Trump to be completely supportive of the work they were doing at their agency. And Rex Which is a very said different he was like a kid, an oxymoron. Yes. And he quit. You know, <laughs> he got I, out and, and Bill Barr because, ended up quitting too. I you know, I I think the election yeah. the 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 big election lie as it's been called was uh, a bridge too far. For yeah. Bill Barr. It's almost like this perplexing thing about Trump that I know historians are going to be, and psych- psych- historical psychologists are going to be analyzing for decades. It's like everybody suggests that in person he's got this like irresistible charisma. And you can't, you know, he's charming and all this kind of stuff. And, and if it's true that he's so smart and subjective in person, that makes it even worse because. He is. Um, he has definitely forced things uh, in a manu- manipulative way that screwed up many things in the whole country. And if he and it, it, you know if he knows what he's doing, which I'm convinced he does, of course, it, it makes it even worse to me. So if he is that smart, woe is us. You know, uh, we're paying. We're all paying the price, and we will be for decades. I mean, I just got COVID a couple weeks ago. A couple of you guys know about this. I've got COVID. After two years of not of being able to avoid it, and I started, it just makes me furious about Trump once again. I denied that it was even in the in this country. Tried to hide the truth from all of us. Said sure. all these moronic things. 
It was a democratic hoax, he called it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, hoax. sure. The, I, I just, the fact that I, that I now got COVID in 2022 when I'm double vaccinated and double boosted, I go back to damn Trump, you know. It's like a million Americans died because of, of that guy. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you just set me off on a rant here, but um, <laughs> I, yeah. can't, I can't figure out Trump why has that effect has on taken, people. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to be writing books about him and trying to analyze him for years to come in terms right. of the effect on this on our society. Well, I'm, I'm going to write a book about yeah. Rex Tillerson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm with you, PG. I'd like to know what he has to say now, too. That's who I want to hear from. Would someone please call Rex Tillerson to the stand? Because I know yeah. he can provide a lot of information about Trump's mentality. I think there are some examples where Rex Tillerson actually talked the president, then President Trump, um, down off the ledge a couple times. Yes. And and then there were times when he couldn't. And and I think after a couple of those, he said, well, that's it. You know, I've done all I can do here. I'm out. Right. You know, we've got to remember that uh, your first loyalty is to your boss. And when the president appoints you to one of those positions of, of responsibility, you've got to try to support that mission. Now, I believe that all of the people who are appointed to the Trump White House tried to do that. And yeah, they yeah there's, there's an unofficial way. may have made mistakes. Some may, some may have overreached, but they kept within the framework of this uh, uh, agreement that they would work and be loyal to the president. But, well, uh, but how does that play with, with the Barr old here, Barr made a mistake, and he tried to correct that. Oh, he knew things that uh, were falling apart, and uh, so he abandoned the ship. Yeah, there's, there's an unwritten oath. Um, Jan, you were about to bring up what about the oath they take to the Constitution, I think, That's is right, where Dan. you were going. Yeah. But there's, there's an unwritten oath. Once you sit down at a desk in the White House, that you have a constituency of one. Yeah, that's true. Um, but what's amazing is how many, many of the, the loyal people have turned on him once they realized what he was doing, what kind of person he was. As I say, I cannot recall any other president where you've had so many people write so many books and articles, you know, basically turning on the guy who... who they were what he once supported and worked for. And it's uh, always interesting to have Mark Everson on the show true. because he spent time in different parts of the federal government in high-ranking mm-hmm. positions under a couple different presidential administrations. And all through the Trump campaign and through his presidency, I always felt better after I talked to Mark because of the very question you asked, Jan, what about the oath these people take? And it was Mark's position that this so-called swamp was made up of public servants who make the trains run on time. Exactly. And and, and like I say, I always felt better after talking to Mark because he knew what could be done and what couldn't be done for all the fears people had about what Donald Trump might do if let loose in the White House. Few, well, if any of them, actually came to pass. Well, Tom and Roundtable members, 
Another person I would like to hear from is Kellyanne Conway. Now, if you remember, she did a lot of things that was inappropriate, wearing one of Ivanka Trump's dresses and promoting her during the press conference. It's an Ivanka Trump collection piece and all of that stuff. Well, she's the one who coined Kelly Con- Kellyanne Conway she's because the one her husband George does not like the president and he's been telling a whole lot of stuff. So is Kelly giving him this info? Where is he getting his info well, from? But he's really I don't know. singing like yeah. a bird. Kellyanne Conway is the first person to use the phrase alternative facts. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Famous she, uh, phrase. She was on the Bill Maher show last Friday night, I think. She I don't was? I you guys ever tune in. Her she husband, Jan? Uh, no, uh, she herself was on oh, the Oh, Kellyanne. Yeah, she was. And you can look it up. It was so irritating. I, I find her extremely irritating. So I... I, I <laughs> But I did listen to it, and she hasn't changed her tune in the slightest. I mean, mm. in fact, she was saying she was attacking, uh, you know, all the libs for uh, being like going into Trump outrage. Like me, I'm a classic example of it. But as a rant that I just engaged in, <laughs> I would uh, I would like to hear from uh, from uh, Spencer. Yeah, Spencer. Uh, Remember the uh, first uh, the first sure. press secretary for, uh, for oh, Donald yeah. Trump? He didn't. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, Spencer, the one that danced on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, that's right. And, that's right. When and he, he was, said that Trump had the biggest inaugural turnout ever, <laughs> which was not true. Well, he he yeah. uh, the, the press just kept hounding on him and and beating on him and he just couldn't pull off you know the the spin the way that uh, Kellyanne right. could and yeah Kellyanne just you know keeps talking and he, he won't let you make any other points but yeah. I mean her and what she did was she just said well um he was a good president and what's wrong with you guys you you know you're so obsessed with him and Joe Biden is a terrible president and blah 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 uh, and that was all she said. So, PG, you wouldn't get much satisfaction out of her now. I don't know if she is talking to George Con to her husband, about the truth that was going on behind the scenes, but publicly she certainly hasn't changed her tune in the least. Here, here's classic Ke- Kellyanne Conway. Remember Jared Kushner's sister got caught selling visas to Chinese <laughs> for $500,000. And here is how they were selling the visas. If you want to participate in economic development in the United States, you're able to get a visa for 500000 as long as that money goes towards economic development. And it was purported that it was all Kushner and Trump development. So it wasn't for the United States, in finger quotes. It was for those two families. So here's Kellyanne. Are you trying to say that people should not be allowed to come to America from China? And then the reporter is saying, do you think that visas should cost $500,000? <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with people coming to, uh, to America from uh, China. What we have to look at is these people believe in the United States and they want economic development. And this is something that the Democrats are not doing. I would love to have her on your show, Tom, because I would eat her alive. 
I would stay focused on the issue, but she does try to use reverse psychology, and I think because the media, the men and the women that were interviewing her was trying to be uh, very soft and delicate with her because she's a female. She's a barracuda. Yeah, yeah. She's a silent Sarah Palin, just as dangerous. But she makes a point, and she uh, she's tough. She's a tough against men, reporters, whoever, black, whites, rich, poor, you know. She goes after the target that Trump intends to take. Well, hats off to her daughter because her daughter made her quit her job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah, yeah. The daughter started spilling the tea, I mean all of it saying, my mother is a phony, and my father don't even like my mom. And Sarah, and she pulled to Sarah Palin, I am so into my daughter that I'm going to resign from this position so I can spend time with my daughter. No, your daughter was spilling the tea. Your daughter didn't like the lies after people at her school was talking about her mom. And the daughter said, if you don't quit, I'm going to really start talking. And her mother quit. Now, that's the power of being someone's child. That was a good thing. That was a good thing in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she showed some, she showed some at least maternal integrity there, didn't she? Mm-hmm. And to just talk about women like uh, Kellyanne, do you remember Sarah Palin when her daughter got pregnant out of wedlock? Yeah, I think so. And do you remember the narrative? Oh, it was so good that she was 16 and she decided to keep the baby. And she's a real role model. She's a role model for the girls that they should keep their children. Not one time did you hear 16, unemployed, uh, uneducated, and pregnant out of wedlock. They made her... They put her on a pedestal and made her this national role model for unwed girls at 15. Take another girl that would be from a foreign country, a black or brown, put her in that same situation, the narrative will be different, I guarantee you. She won't be a role model. She'll be a fast teen, living her life fast, out of control, don't want to listen to parents. How could she be pregnant at this age? You know, back in uh, 2020, I had um, a uh, journalist from the U.K. who had written a book called Kushner, Inc. And it was, let me see if I can uh, find Tom, it. you've interviewed everybody. The um, Vicki Ward was her name, and the title of the book was Kushner, Inc., Greed, Ambition, Corruption, The Extraordinary Story of Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. And it is fascinating mm-hmm. about, uh, about their, their business practices and, and ways in which they were leveraging the White House mm-hmm. for personal gain. You didn't hear about Kushner's father being uh, a criminal? Yes, you didn't hear about them buying 555 mm-hmm. Park Avenue? And the fact that Kushner was over there courting uh, the people in, in Qatar because he wanted that money to make that balloon payment on that property that was due February of 20, 
Well, I'm not going to get through. That. I'm not going to get through this whole list, but there are a couple of things that I want to try and squeeze in in the in the few minutes we have before we go to the X Files. Senator Bernie Sanders, the progressive firebrand and former Democratic presidential candidate, said on Monday he would not challenge President Joe Biden in a 2024 primary and would back him if he runs, a comment that comes as Democrats are uncertain whether the 79-year-old president should run again. I think it's a little too early, the Vermont Independent, who caucuses with Democrats, told CNN when asked if he would back Biden in 2024. I think Biden will probably run again, and if he runs again, I will support him. Asked if he would run against Biden in a primary, Sanders said, not if he runs. The White House... Uh, has said Biden plans to run for re-election next year. Who gets the Democratic nomination if President Biden doesn't run for re-election? Kamala Harris. You think? Yeah, I, I was going to say, that's, if, I had to, if I was making a bet, that'd be my first bet, but I think it's even that's going to be kind of a long shot. Kamala I, Harris. That'd be my first yeah. bet. Yeah. And how, yeah. how does that stack up if if Trump actually pulls off running again. Now, I know hmm. it's two, it's more than two years away, and he's got a lot of flack in his way to the to the ballot in 2024, but if he does... She would give him a run for his money because she's been very outspoken about abortion rights, Roe versus Wade. Every time we have a midterm election, it's not during the presidential, it's always for the midterm only, the discussion comes up about overturning Roe v. Wade, uh, men trying to, you know, have jurisdiction over a woman's body, trying to regulate her reproductive system. But what happens if we try to regulate the male, you know, the male body? Mm. What happens? Yeah. Um, I think that she would give Trump a run for his money, but corruption we know with Trump, seems to prevail, and that would be the only concern. But I think Kamala is more than qualified, and she showed you that the way she interrogated Bill Barr when he was on the, uh, when he appeared before the Senate. She was incredible. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to think of the young governor um, that I would, I would think would be a good running mate with her. I, I would like to see... If, if Joe doesn't run and Kamala runs, I would like to see her on a ticket with Beto. Wow. That's a possibility. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. I, that guy reminds me so much of JFK, but he's a little yeah. bit more but would they? But would they be too progressive to make it in the general? I, Tom, I don't think so. I think they would get squashed. Uh, not to be no, I, I think you need to reach out to pick up some of the some of the suburban, independent, non-Trump Republicans, and you need somebody who can reach into that category. Um, uh, and I'm not quite right. sure who, but well, hey, okay. I've got I, I, I've got to start steering toward the break here because we got about 40 seconds left, but um, we're going to be. Uh, Letting our broadcast partners at WFOV, our voices radio, 92.1 FM Flint, squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do with uh, when we go to break. 
If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And don't forget, you can go to our website and pull up old interviews um, just by scrolling through the dates and uh, hours in which they appeared and uh, and and listen to those again like the interview this morning with uh, Donna Brandenburg a GOP candidate who was knocked off the ballot um, for uh, governor in uh, Michigan hey we'll be right back <laughs> this is the unknown comic and guess what you're listening to the Tom Sumner show right now and now and now too and even now It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, Mark Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, Visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. 
She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. And then ask for the gift card number over the phone. Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov ag for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, to my favorite segment of Armchair Politics as we roll into the last uh, last leg of uh, today's edition of Armchair politics on the Tom Sumner program. Those weird and wacky stories that are sometimes hard to tell uh, from the uh, mainstream headlines, but um, my favorite, the X-Files. Researchers in the United Kingdom have found that an ancient Greek inscription on a 2,000-year-old marble tablet is actually something resembling a yearbook for a graduating class according to a new translation. The, the inscription <laughs> sat in the, na- in the National Museum Scotland collection for over 130 years without being properly looked at until researchers discovered the document according to Peter Liddell of the University of Manchester This is one of a small number of inscriptions in Scotland, one of three ancient Athenian inscriptions in the city of Edinburgh. So it's absolutely exciting, Liddell told NPR's All Things Considered. Liddell is on the editorial committee of the uh, Project Attic Inscriptions Online, which published the new translation on May 31st. He referred to the inscription as a concise class book which lists the names of young men within a cohort who finished their year-long civic and military training in what was called the ephibate. I think that's how you say that. Do you think graduates got copies and how would you sign a classmate's marble tablet yearbook? (laughs) With a chisel? I don't know. Most likely so like, by Conquer or something. And after it's been chiseled, you get the ink and just kind of do the etch-a-sketch kind of thing. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. The only, uh, and as far as I recall, that the only signature that went on a transcript was the superintendent of school. Well, they said that this was something more like like a yearbook. Oh, and that may be different. It was, yeah. it was a list of the names of young men 
who finished their year-long civic and military training. Oh, I see. Yeah. And so it was it was kind of a marble tablet yearbook. <laughs> oh. Well, from Tom, lemons. I, Tom, I didn't get a chance to thank all of the amazing people that showed up at your 15-year anniversary listener party. It was amazing. Oh, at the White Horse, yeah. Yes, it was amazing. Uh, oh, I am yeah. just so grateful that the people came to show you support. You have interviewed some of the most interesting people in the world. You've interviewed everybody, and it was just awesome. And our interview the next day with Frida Payne was great. It was a lot of fun, wasn't it, Tom? It, it was a band of gold. It was a band of gold, right? <laughs> um, you know, actually, there's an interesting one coming up Friday, if, uh, if, if it all comes together like it's supposed to. The um, creator of a new movie, it's playing on Netflix, um, called 18 and a Half. Mm. And <clears throat> it is... Um, it's it's a political thriller based on the premise that somebody finds the 18 and a half minutes of missing oh. tape. Oh, wow, and, that sounds interesting. And there's, there's even a scene, it turns into a fight scene, so you don't actually hear the tape. They're listening to the 18 and a half minutes. <laughs> but, but you get distracted, so you can't hear the tape. But I, I've seen the movie, and it's it's really quite fun and quite interesting, and um, worth worth a listen. I think coming up uh, this Friday, in honor of the, uh, in fact, the whole show on Friday will be a bit of a tribute to the 50th anniversary of the Watergate break-in and all of mm -hmm. the things that have evolved in journalism and politics since then. Tom, but, are you watching the series with Tom Dean? John Dean, yes. Oh, John Dean, I'm sorry. Yes, I've seen the. I first can't get Tom's name off the off my brain. I think I've I think <laughs> I've gotten th I, I think I've been through the first half of it. Mm -hmm. um, all right, I got one more X file to squeeze in here from lemons to ham. Salt is a handy food preservative, but researchers studying some really old salt crystals found them preserving something else, evidence of life. There are little cubes of the original liquid from which that salt grew, and the surprise for us is that we also saw shapes that are consistent with what we would expect from microorganisms, said Kathy Benison, a geologist at West Virginia University, and they could still be surviving within that 830 million year old preserved microhabitat. The salt crystals, a.k.a. halite, that Benison and her team studied were originally found in Central Australia. Benison was part of the team that published these fi findings in the journal Geology. Benison suspects that if there are in fact microorganisms in the crystal, they could be alive in a dormant state. The halite would need to be opened in order to confirm that this is in fact organic matter and that it is still alive. 
while cracking into that crystal might seem a bold choice. We're currently battling a global pandemic caused by microscopic viruses, after all. Benison plans to do just that. But she said there was no need to worry. It doesn't sound... It does sound like a really bad B-movie, but there is a lot of detailed work that's been going on for years to try to figure out how to do this in the safest way possible, she said. Um, but do you think it's wise to wake up 830 million-year-old organisms? <laughs> I don't think so. What are well, we going to find? sure, yeah. Yeah, like I say, we're still <laughs> dealing with uh, enough mm. pandemic stuff now. What what happens uh, what happens if Thor's evil brother Loki is lurking under that's, all that's that salt? That's what I'm thinking, and and this at the same time, cave explorers stumbled upon a prehistoric forest at the bottom of a giant sinkhole in South China. Mm. Um, well, guys, this seems almost illogical because eruptions and continental shifts and stuff that release soils of uh, materials from the inner earth all the time and they're spewing out all the time and some of those crystals should have been available uh, during that 150 million years lifespan of these crystals you know I I just don't see you seem how, like somebody would have discovered it sooner yeah somebody yeah, would have discovered it yeah. yeah, and, and uh, besides, it will either get us now or it will get us later. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I that. I can say that. <laughs> well, that wraps it up for today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program, and I want to thank our roundtable regulars. Paul, thank you, as always, Paul Rosicki on the left. Always good to be here. And uh, long-time... Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. It's always yes. a treat to have you, Henry. Thank you. Uh, uh, Tom, you, uh, your show has been really improved by the our guest today. I learned so much, and I appreciate so much from her. And always, as Jan, is always the lady of record that makes us better. Thank you. Well, and I, I definitely want to thank Jan Worth Nelson for uh, joining us every time she uh, joins us. It, it makes the show better, and uh, it's it's great to have you along, Jan Worth Nelson. Thank you. Thank, thank you. It was great. To, it was great to interact with PG today too. That was really fun. And and PG, thank you for all of your ongoing support, and thanks for uh, sitting in with us today. You know we love you, and Tom, Paul, Henry, and Jan, thank you so much for allowing me to participate. It's always good to have a voice, use your voice, but more importantly to have it so well received at a roundtable. I appreciate it. Great to have you here. Thank you. Well, that and Tom, you. Me, you know I love you and the bobblehead, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there are only two people besides me that have bobbleheads, PG and uh, my son-in-law, Matt, up in the UP. Yeah. Well, sort of a son-in-law. Anyway, well, Tom, it was great today. Thank you so much. And I just want to say to both or to all of you that the Silver Fox and I are celebrating our seventh wedding anniversary. We celebrate the entire month of June, uh, the entire month of June. And I would say I love you all over again. I love you, babe. Good.
Congratulations. Congratulations, PG, and thanks to the roundtable, and thanks to everybody who tuned in. That's Smoking George Winners. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room, but uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program, and I hope you will be too. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.